Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening session of Sunday the 22nd of March 2009, entitled, A Great Woman. And the Bible reading is taken from 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8 to 37. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I'd like to open your Bibles for our scripture reading this evening. Old Testament book of 2 Kings and chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. While you're turning there, of course, we mentioned this morning, I'd like to mention again this evening that I do honor each and every one of you that are mothers here today, not just one day out of the year, but every day. It's a day that's set aside for that honor. We saw in Scripture this morning where it says to Give honor unto whom honor is due. Even God Himself in His original Ten Commandments said, Honor thy father, father and thy mother, and our mothers deserve our honor. Of course, we looked at a lot of different things there, and uh, we want to, uh, again this evening, not look specifically at motherhood so much as a great woman. A great woman. Again, as we honor those mothers today and looking at just what it is that makes a woman great, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of the word beginning in 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 8. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman. And she constrained him to eat bread, and so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. She said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. Let us set for him there a bed, and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. He said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldst thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell amongst mine own people. He said, What then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, Verily she hath no child, and her husband is old. He said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. He said, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. She said, nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. The woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. When the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father to the reapers. He said unto his father, my head, my head. And he said to the lad, carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, 
He sat on her knees till noon and then died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. She called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. He said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. He said, It shall be well. Then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, Drive, go forward, slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. She went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. It came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off, and he said to Gehazi his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her, and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. When she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away. The man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me. Then she said, Did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, Gird up thy loins, and take my staff in thine hand, and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not. If any man salute thee, answer him not again, and lay my staff upon the face of the child. The mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. He arose and followed her. Gehazi passed on before them, laid the staff upon the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore he went again to meet him and told him, saying, child is not awaked. When Elisha was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went in therefore and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. He went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her. When she was come in unto him, he said, Take up thy son. Then she went in and fell at his feet, bowed herself to the ground, and took up her son and went out. Father, we thank you for the reading this evening. We thank you for the time that you've given us together. Now, Lord, in these next minutes, we pray that you would take and use us for your glory, that you would speak the words that need to be spoken. Father, you know the hearts of each one, and we pray that, uh, that you might speak to those hearts and that each one might be receptive and responsive in whatever way they need to this evening. In Christ's name, I pray, amen, amen. Of course, as we read through this story, we find that this mother went through a very extremely difficult time to see this son that she never thought that she would be able to have, but then she did. And then to see that lad literally die. 
we find that we want to look at a few of the things this evening concerning this woman. You know, as we said and as we looked at a number of things this morning, you know, child rearing is a great responsibility, and yes, it's one of the greatest privileges in all of the world. Sometimes it can be very, very difficult. I'll give you an illustration I read, which I thought was kind of hilarious. The writer said, I read about a woman who telephoned a friend and asked how she was feeling. Terrible, came the reply over the wire. My head's splitting and my back and legs are killing me and the house is a mess and the, the kids are simply driving me crazy. Very sympathetically, the caller said, listen, go and lie down. I'll come over right away and I'll cook the lunch for you. I'll clean up the house. I'll take care of the children while you get some rest. By the way, how's Sam doing? Sam, the complaining housewife gasped, said, who's Sam? I don't have a husband named Sam. By heavens, exclaimed the first woman, I must have dialed the wrong number. There was a long silence on the phone. And the mother came back and very pitifully asked, are you still coming over? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes mothers do get to the point to where they, oh, how in the world can they handle all the things that need to be handled? Well, it's interesting as we look at this woman here because, you know, there's an adjective to describe her that isn't used often in the Bible. Again there in verse 8 it said, And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman. Now, what does it mean to be a great woman? Well, I went back and thought I'd be clever and say, I wonder what that word great really means in the Hebrew. And guess what I found out when I looked back? In the Hebrew, it means great. <laughs> it goes on to say, you know, it's speaking of something mighty, something noble, something notable. Basically, it means great. And of course, in English, it means great. It says having large mental, moral, or other endowments, eminent, high in station, merit or esteem, distinguished, prominent, one who is noble exalted in character of quality, excellent, worthy, often influential and rich. <laughs> As we saw this morning that the richness really has very little to do. Many times when we look at things that have much more to do with our character and who we are, but it does tell us something about what great seems to mean in the eyes of the world. When you talk about a great woman, what do people think of? I mean, we can think of great leaders. There are great leaders. My, names would come to mind. Maybe, you know, Sir Winston Churchill or President Franklin D. Roosevelt. Because of their service during the wartime, they, they held quite fame in a lot of people's eyes. And of course, we can think of great freedom fighters. We might think of men like Nelson Mandela or Martin Luther King Jr. They're renowned for something that they stood up and, 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 and fought for. I won't even begin to name who might be considered as great musicians, but there are certain things that would come to mind, uh, either individuals or groups, that everybody would recognize the name because they're considered great in man's eyes. The same with actors. The same with conquerors, businessmen. Even in Christianity, we think of some of the great reformers, 
men like Luther and Calvin and Zwingli because of, of the great things that they did for the church in their day. We think of great preachers. We think of men like C.H. Spurgeon and John Wesley and D.L. Moody and Billy Sunday and Jonathan Edwards that we talked about this morning and the list could go on and on. Why? Because of things that were accomplished through their ministry. The same with great missionaries like David Livingston and William Carey and Ednaram Judson and David Brainerd and Jim Elliott. And of course, the list goes on. We find that the Bible uses the term great in speaking of a few people like Abraham, Isaac, Job, John the Baptist. But so many times, people can be considered great for all kinds of reasons. But my interest was piqued when I was thinking along the lines, why did God call this woman great? Now, those names that I just called, was there any of them that you didn't recognize? They're pretty familiar names because of who they are. Well, who here this evening can tell me the name of this great woman that we just read about here in Scripture? Does anybody, without looking back, remember what her name was? It wasn't even in there, was it? The Bible says she was a great woman. But it wasn't because that everybody knew her name, like many of the great people that we list in the world's eyes. So I'm saying here's a woman that God says is a great woman, and yet her name is not even listed as we learn these details about her life. So what was it? that made her great. What makes someone great? I'm reminded, and this is not actually from a mother, but it's from a father's lips. And it simply called, I think I read this to you once before at least, an old soldier's prayer. It says, build me a son, O Lord, who will be strong enough to know when he is weak and brave enough to face himself when he is afraid. One who will be proud and unbending in honest defeat and humble and gentle in victory. Build me a son whose wishes will not take the place of deeds. A son who will know thee and to know himself is the foundation stone of knowledge. Build me a son whose heart will be clear, whose goal will be high. A son who will master himself before he seeks to master other men one who will reach into the future yet never forget the past. And after all these things are his, add, I pray, enough sense of humor so that he may always be serious yet never take himself too seriously. Give him humility so that he may always remember the simplicity of true greatness, he says. The open mind of true wisdom and the meekness of true strength. Then I, his father, will dare to whisper, I have not lived in vain. The simplicity of true greatness. That prayer was recordedly prayed by General Douglas MacArthur for his own son, that he might know the simplicity of true greatness. And I think that's what we see in this lady that is called a great woman here in the Word of God, the simplicity of true greatness. Our minds can get all fuddled up 
with all of what the world thinks great is. The world thinks they're great because we know their name, because of some song that they sing, because of some part that they played, because of some role that they accomplished. And some of those names that I called out, I'm not saying they weren't, they were great people. They were used to do great things. There are many great people that we don't know their names. The simplicity of true greatness. You see, why was this woman, who we don't even know her name, why was she considered to be great? Well, I think the first key is given to us there in the next verse, in verse 9, and she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is an holy man of God which passeth by us continually. You see, I think that she was great in the simplicity of true greatness because she was great in her perception. I perceive. What does it mean to be perceptive? Well, it simply means to be aware, to be understanding. And you see, as we look at this woman, it's in the simple things that we see her perception. We see her aware of the needs around her. We see her understanding those around her in natural things. I mean, what was it in verse 8? The Bible says, when Elisha came by, that she constrained him to eat bread. She, see, she, she was perceptive in the fact that this man had a need, a physical need for food. And it was just her nature to reach out and to meet that need. The same thing is why she asked in verse 10, Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. The truth is, she was perceptive, she was aware that this was a man of God, and that as he passed by, he needed to be fed, and he needed a place to rest. And she was willing to take of her own home of what she had when she was aware and understood the needs of those around us. And of course, we also see in that same verse there in verse 9, when she saw Elisha, she was perceptive of spiritual matters too. She said, I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. She knew that there was something different about this man. She recognized the spiritualness in this man. She perceived, she was aware, she understood that he was a man of God. And therefore, he needed to be taken care of. But you know, it's one thing to perceive, to be aware, to understand. You see, she was not only great in her perception, but she was great in what I simply call her perspective. Now, what does it mean to have proper perspective on something? That's to place the proper importance upon matters. In other words, it's one thing to look around and to understand and to perceive and to be aware and understand the needs that are there. But then it's another to be able to take those things and be able to put them in their proper place, in their proper order as to what's really important and what's not important to us. Sometimes our list can grow so long <laughs> that there's so many things that we're well aware of and we fully understand that they need to be done. But how do we prioritize them? 
You see, the Bible called her a great woman for some reason, and he gives us these things. This is all that we see about her. She was perceptive, but we also see that she not only was perceptive, but she had good perspective. Now, notice in verses 10 and 11 there, first of all, we've just read verse 10, where the truth was that she saw this need, and she recognized that something needed to be done. We see it in her generosity. You know, she didn't just see the need in someone else. She realized the importance of doing something to meet that need. Verse 11, and it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. They met that need. Not only in her generosity, but I notice also in her contentment. You know, that's a, that's a tough one sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it's, it's hard to look around, especially when it's one of those harrowing days and nothing seems to be going right and nothing seems to be getting done like it's supposed to. Notice here that because of her generosity to the man of God, he naturally wanted to do something in return to repay her for that generosity. Verse 12, and he said to Gehazi's servant, call this Shunammite. When he had called her, she stood before him, and he, and he said unto him, say unto her now, behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? What can we do for you? Would Wouldst thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? Would you like for us to put in a good word for you with the people that matter? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. In other words, I'm happy where I'm at. I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm living with my own people. She didn't want anything from them. She was content with what the Lord had given her. And we find that in this situation, we know that at this point, she didn't even have that child yet. She was content. We also see something else about her in verse 16 when Elijah first told her that he was going to give her a son. Now, we've seen this happen a couple places in Scripture. But no way. <laughs> I'm too old. My husband's too old. We're, we're past that now. There's no way. And he said, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. Don't, don't play games with me. Don't tell me something that's not true. You see, she wanted to live in the real world. She wanted truth. Don't, don't, don't lie to me. Don't try to build my hopes up with something that is just pie in the sky. You see, so many times, if we're not careful, we just want to tell people the things that they want to hear to make them feel good, rather than, as we talked about this morning, being honest, even with our children. But we see in this woman, we see that she was generous. We see the contentment. We see her search for truth and reality. And, of course, then later, once the sun comes, we find that after he had gone out there with his dad and he had got this terrible headache and he came back, didn't matter what else, the fact was is that she had a son to take care of. The Bible said there in verse 20, he sat on her knees till noon, then he died. He took that son in her arms, he sat right there on her lap, there was nothing more important at that moment in time than being there for that son. You know, so many times, 
So many times it's so easy to just brush them aside. It's so easy to say a bit later. It's not serious. It's not important right now. But this woman, she had her perspectives in the right place. She realized what was important in life. And we see that coming through also in the spiritual matters. You see, what was it there in verse 21? What did she do when this boy died? And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. Why do you think that she went to the room where the man of God usually stayed? Because I believe that we see here in this woman that she knew that there was only one place that she could go with this son, and that was to God. And this was the path that she knew to get to God was through the man of God. And the first thing she did is she took him to, to his room and she laid them there. And, of course, then we find that secondly, she turned to her husband in verse 22, and she called unto her husband. She said, send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. And, of course, we find that he didn't understand. Well, why in the world do you want to do that? It's not new moon. It's not the Sabbath. He said, shall be well. You see, she knew. She knew that God was the one that would take care of this. She turned to her husband to do what he could do, which was the right thing to do. He's supposed to be the spiritual leader. He's supposed to be the leader in the home. She turned to him to do what he could do, but she knew there were some things that were beyond his control, some things that were in God's hands alone. And notice what she did there in verse 25. And so she went and came unto the man of God. She went straight to the man of God. She went straight to the path that would take her that she knew to get access to God Almighty. And you know, I think that a whole lot of that perspective shows through. When you notice in the last verse that we read there in verse 37, did you notice that now her son has been dead? And we see through what all that Elisha went through to bring this son back to life. But then when Elisha sends word to her that this son was there, and she comes, what's the first thing she does? She went in and fell at his feet, fell at Elisha's feet, and bowed herself to the ground. And then after that, she took up her son, and she went out. You see, so many times when God is doing even wonderful things in our lives, the first thing that we want to do is just grab and hold on rather than to pause and to thank Him. He needed to be thanked. The first thing that she did before she even picked up that son, he's been dead, he's back to life, he's been resurrected. But before she even picked up that son, she took time to give thanks and praise. See, God called this woman a great woman. I can't tell you all that God meant in that. But I can tell you that in looking at what he tells us about this one that he calls great, that I see that she was a perceptive woman. She was aware and understood the things that were going on around her. But she also had a great perspective. In prioritizing and taking care of the important things first. We see that at the moment, 
She took care of her son when she needed it first. When God had raised him from the dead, she goes to God to thank him first. She's keeping things in order, keeping the priorities there. But I noticed something else. Not only do we see her perception and her perspective, but notice her passion. Her passion. What does passion mean? Well, it, it's, it speaks of our emotions. Matter of fact, when we speak of somebody having passion, it means that they have intense emotions. It means that they're eagerly reaching out towards some object or some something. We find that she was passionate. She wanted to be a mother. When Elisha said that he was going to give her a son, oh, please, that's not an area to play games with me. Don't, don't tell me something that won't be. She had a great desire to have that child. And, of course, we see that as a mother, she had great passion for as a mother, she was there to care for him when he was sick. She was there to sacrifice. Do you, do you notice that when it came time to help that child, she had, had laid him upon the bed? She had sent for her husband to send her somebody to take her to the man of God. And boy, when, when they get ready to leave, she says, I want you to take me there. I want you to get me there fast. I don't want you to let up until we get there. This is something that needs to be done, and it needs to be done now, and it needs to be done immediately. And of course, we also see it when she gets to Elisha. I mean, he's going to send the servant back. He gives him the, the staff, and he tells him what to do with it. You go, and you take, and you lay this on top of the child. What does the Bible say she did? <laughs> she grabbed home. She said, just as sure as I live, as sure as our soul's alive, I'm not going anywhere without you. You're going with me. You're the man of God. You're the one that has access to God. Of course, you and I know today, we have one intercessor between man and God, and that's Jesus Christ himself. You know, that's, that's the thing that we have to realize. We're not going anywhere without Jesus. We're not trusting anything without Jesus. He's the only one. We've looked at that in different perspectives in, in, in the Word of God in the past. We've talked about that fact. Sometimes, well, you just, you just need to, to grab a hold and hang on and not let go for anybody or anything. That's what she said. She was passionate. She knew. She knew that there was one access that she knew to get to God, and she wasn't about to let go of that. You notice something else that comes through just in simple words. We find that we see her passion come through in her faith as well. Did you notice what she said to her husband there when he says, what in the world do you want this, 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 this asked for right now? It's not new moon. It's not Sabbath. It's not a time that you should be going and looking for the man of God. What was the words? I circled them in my Bible there. It says, it shall be shall be well. She had other faith that everything was going to be all right because she was going to the man of God to get to God himself. She knew that with him it was going to be well. Notice in verse 26 when Elisha had sent 
his servant out to, to meet her. He told her, he said, run now, I pray thee, to meet her, and say unto her, is, is, is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, it is well. Now hang on. Her son's dead. She's been making this guy drive this, this animal, this beast, to get her there as quick as they can because she knows that she needs to get to God with this matter. And yet when the servant comes out, it is well. See, he wasn't the one that could help her with this. But we see her utter faith. She had absolute confidence that it was going to be okay. Then, of course, notice in verse 30 that, and the mother of the child said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. He arose and followed her. She was convinced. She was convinced that the man of God was the one that needed to be there take care of this problem. And of course, also in her spiritual passion, we see it in her gratitude. The first thing that she wanted to do when her son was resurrected was to give God thanks. To give Him the glory for what He had done. A great woman. Was God talking about her motherhood? Was God talking about her being a wife? I think God was just talking about in all of these things. She was a great woman, not because that she accomplished something that was great in man's eyes, not because that she accomplished something that everybody knew about. Matter of fact, God says she was great. And again, we don't even know her name. We know that she was a Shunammite woman. She was a great woman. And I genuinely believe with all my heart that that is exactly what is talked about when we speak of the simplicity of true greatness. You see, God knows her name. God knows her name. Not because of her riches, not because of her power, not because of her fame in man's eyes. In this lady, we see that simplicity of true greatness. She had great perception. Becoming aware and understanding both the natural and spiritual matters around her. Being aware of the needs of others and not focusing upon herself. She was great because of great perspective in placing proper importance upon those matters and giving both the natural and the spiritual matters their proper priorities in life. Always, always, God first. And you see, the truth is, when He's first, He makes it possible to better handle all of those other matters and to truly be able to enjoy the other things that we have in life. A great woman, because of great passion, in acting upon the matters in her life, First an awareness, then a proper importance in prioritizing. If we've been perceptive and then looked on them with proper perspective, then we can and will act properly and passionately again from the heart, from the seat of our emotions, the driving force behind our our actions. 
You know, most everybody is passionate about something. But what are we passionate about? Too often we're passionate, we're more passionate about what others in this life think about us than we are passionate about whether or not we're great in God's eyes. If nobody knows your name. You ever got a little bit miffed with somebody because you've been introduced and next time you meet them they don't even remember your name? <laughs> I'm terrible with names. Didn't used to be, but <laughs> as I've gotten older, I've gotten worse and worse. I used to at least be able to write them down and remember. Now I write them down, I forget where I wrote them down, you know. <laughs> I forget the name and where I wrote it down. <laughs> but the truth is, names are important to us. But it's not really important whether other people know your name and who you are and what you've accomplished and that what you've done is important and big in their eyes. You see, ladies, there is no more important role in all the world than fulfilling the role where God has placed you. This day, forget all the commercialization. I honor you as godly mothers here tonight. And as we said this morning, we all had a mother or we wouldn't be here. Some have been loving, some have haven't. Some have been abandoned and some don't. Some are alive and some are dead. And there's all kinds of things that come into it that complicates that joy. But mothers deserve to be honored. And ladies, you don't have to be known as Margaret Thatcher was because she was the first woman prime minister. You don't have to be known because you come up with some hit song or played some big role and everybody knows your name. Your greatness comes in fulfilling the role that God has given you to fulfill. And if that's being a wife, if that's being a mother, that's being what God, and you know the truth is, every woman in the world is not called to be a wife and a mother even. Fulfill God's role for you. If nobody ever knows your name, strive to be a great woman in God's eyes. You see, that's what's worth honoring on Mother's Day, is the godliness that God is being fulfilled in our lives. Be concerned about being great in God's eyes. You may not have the money or the fame or a lot of people that the world thinks is great, but I want to tell you something. Far, far more important <laughs> that you be great in God's eyes than you be great because all that man has, it's going to vanish. <laughs> it's going to go away. It's going to come to an end. I don't care how big they're their name is. I don't care how much that they've earned from it. I don't care how great that man thinks they are. The grave is waiting. And the truth is, it's appointed unto man. That means women. That means every human being, mankind, wants to die. But after this, the judgment. Each one will stand before God. And I just found it remarkably refreshing in a world, when they try to label what is greatness, they try to put all these things out there, and they even, they, 
They try to sell it to you day after day after day, whether it's in the newspapers or the billboards or your radio or your TV. They're trying to tell you how you can be great in the world's eyes. But the truth is, I found it so refreshing, Brother Steve, to read in God's Word and to read, here's somebody that God said, she is a great woman. And yet, we don't even know her name. And we look at her, and we see the simplicity of that greatness, of fulfilling her role as a woman that God had given her. Having the right perception, the right perspective, the right passion for the right thing. We can get passionate about all the wrong things. Be passionate about the things of God. Be passionate about your, your children and your husband. I guess your wives too, husbands. <laughs> Be passionate about the right things in life. We need some passion. We need some passion in our Christian lives. We need to be passionate about salvation. We need to be passionate about the Lord. So I'm saying to you this evening, ladies, this Mother's Day, at least this pastor wants to honor you not because of what the world may or may not think of you. I want to honor you because you're here in God's house this evening. I want to honor you because you can be great. You can be greater than anybody that everybody knows their name all over the whole world. You can be greater in the eyes of Almighty God by fulfilling your role as a godly woman, as a godly wife, as a godly mother. Whatever God has given you, God is in control. He's always right. He knows. Father, we thank you this evening that well, we can have that confidence. Lord, I want to thank you for the refreshing you that just in reading this passage, Lord, that just to remind me of the simplicity of true greatness. Help us, Lord. Help us here this evening not to fall into the world's trap, accepting greatness on their level. Help us to realize the simplicity of true greatness. The simplicity of true greatness. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for each of these women that we have with us here this evening. Lord, and I want to thank you that they're here in your house this evening. Father, and I want to pray that your blessing would be upon them in a very special way. Lord, not only these truths, these principles, are not just true for the women that are present, but Lord, for the men as well, for the young men and women, for the boys and girls. Well, these are things that need to be the things that make us great in your eyes, not man's eyes. Help us to have a passion for doing things your way, for always having you first, for you doing in our lives, Lord, that which you desire to do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.